Welcome to the Citizens Report. It's the 15th of January 2021. I'm Robert Barwick and I'm joined today by Citizens Party founder and leader Craig Isherwood. Welcome Craig. Yeah, thanks Robert. Good to be back with the first one of the year. First one of the year, yep. We've uh, had our little break, back into it. And um, Craig, so far 2021 doesn't look that different to 2020. Not yet, Robbie, but hopefully, you know, with what we can bring to the political uh, fray, well, that's right. We can, and can uh, change things a great deal. Because it's not all bad. Um, all right, in this, in this week's Citizens Report, don't let Morrison bury the report that exonerates Christine Holgate and Washington riot. Economic breakdown drives political chaos. So first, don't let Morrison bury the report that exonerates Christine Holgate. So, Craig, we're going to continue on this theme that we've been on for the last few months because it's very important. Let me state from the outset, Christine Holgate is not the issue. We are not doing this to defend a person, a CEO of a company. That's not the issue. We are fighting on this issue because we're fighting for an institution. That institution is not Australia Post. That institution is the nation state of Australia. A nation state needs infrastructure. It needs services. Australia Post is a very important, a postal service is a very important part of that, right? And ours is being destroyed. It's being set up for privatisation and destruction. And Christine Holgate made herself a political target of the corrupt people in both major parties because she came along and just showed that there's no need for any of this. She had the vision to make Australia Post work by realising its future lay in not just providing postal services, but financial services. And for that, she made, her, she made very powerful enemies in the political establishment, and she's been crushed. But it's all starting to unravel. Well, Robert, look, the agenda here is privatising Australia Post. Sell it off. You know, the way that this is done is you bring in consulting firms, I think Boston Consulting, to say, oh, this is being run inefficiently, therefore the government should offload it. Yep. Christine Holgate, to her, uh, you know, to her um, credit, turned Australia Post around to being a profit institution. So that it, it went against the... Uh, There's the no excuse to privatise it. There's no excuse. It went against what the government was trying to do. Now, Robbie, we know this stuff inside out because you go back to 1996, we were publishing newspapers back then. We had one, you know, British secret, uh, secretive British cult plots, mass job cuts, union busting and drugs. Now, this uncovered, for the first time in Australia, the operations of an organisation called the Montpelerin Society whose agenda has been adopted by both the major parties for the process of privatisation, selling off public assets. They that, this Montpellier Society drove the privatisation agenda worldwide. And it was a British institution, it was founded through a British institution uh, initially. Now, Robbie, we've got, we've got this in space, we've got this uh, other, other uh, pamphlet, Stop the British Crown Plot to Crush Australia's Unions. These... This particular pamphlet is available for anyone who hasn't, got received our, hasn't received our literature before they can call and get it. But it goes through this, the nature of this institution, which is Scott Morris's pedigree. This is what he comes out of. And just, so, to, ex just to explain the title of that, Craig, what, what, we had, what we showed is that the, the British Crown as an institution was actually involved in funding this Mont Pelerin Society yep. to make it politically uh, influential and, in a sense, take the modern world back to the 
19th century British liberalism, they called it, which was the economic model of the East India Company, right, um, where basically everything was privatised. A private company ran the British Empire, and right? I don't think Christine, and that's what, that's what this privatisation agenda And I don't think Christine Holgate had any sense of what she was up against institutionally. Powerful stuff. Powerful stuff. Well, let's go through some details of why we're raising this now, though, because um, everything the viewer, unless they're a regular viewer for, for, of this show, knows or has been told about Christine Holgate and the saga with the Cardia watches is dead wrong. But Craig, there's now an official government report that proves it. Mm -hmm. Except Scott Morrison has a copy of that report and he's trying to bury it and keep it secret. And we cannot let that happen. So what's happened is there's a, there was a, when Christine Holgate was forced to stand aside back in uh, October, there was an inquiry set up and it was outsourced to a law firm called Maddox. This law firm conducted its, its inquiry and they've produced a report, some of which has leaked, which is why we know about it, not all of it, some of which has leaked, but it completely exonerates Christine Holgate. What Scott Morrison has done over Christmas, um, he, tried to, he made sure this, was, this happened over Christmas so it could be buried in the Christmas silly season, but more importantly, he's made it cabinet in confidence. Now, when a document is made cabinet in confidence, to understand what that means, if you, if you do read the newspapers, every 1st of January, there's these cabinet documents released from 20 years earlier, right? So by making this report cabinet in confidence, Morrison can keep it secret for 20 years. So why would he, why would he want to do that? Um, well, like I said, it's not about Christine Holgate or the Cardia Watchers. It is about the survival of Australia Post and whether it will be privatised. She did make enemies among both major parties. The only question left in my mind, Craig, is whether the two major parties colluded to destroy her or whether it just happened coincidentally. I'm suspicious they colluded. They colluded. Um, so let me, just, let me just recap briefly the story that you, that you, the viewer, were told. On the 22nd of October, Christine Holgate goes to Parliament for a Senate estimates hearing and... A Labor senator from Victoria here, Kimberly Kitching, ambushed her and asked her the most outrageous, unreasonable... They were talking about... The whole purpose of the hearing was to talk about Australia Post performance this year in the pandemic year. Out of the blue, um, Kitching starts questioning a deal that happened in 2018 that for which Christine Holgate purchased four Cartier watches, right? And, and, and clearly, Kimberly Kitching had been tipped off about this. But what they didn't emphasise was that this was something from two years earlier, right? And made it sound like this was, this yeah. was a, a, a current issue. And Holgate was surprised that this was even coming up. Why is she being asked about this, right? And, and you can go back and look at our shows from last year on YouTube about this. A few hours later, <clears throat> oh, the, 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 the thing that Holgate was crucified for was, was um, kitching rounded on her and said, why did you spend taxpayers' money on Cartier watches? And Christine Holgate said it wasn't taxpayers' money. And for saying that, she was crucified. Now, turns out she was 100% right. And mm -hmm. in fact, there's a fact check, an ABC fact check over Christmas that also didn't get much traction. But it, it proved, look, it's not taxpayers' money. That's not how Australia Post works. Australia Post is owned by the taxpayer, but it, can, it pays tax. It has to be self-sufficient financially in its own right. A few hours later, and this is the key part. We'll take a break in a second because we have to keep on to the subject. A few hours later, in question time, Anthony Albanese played the single most dishonest role in this whole saga. He hopped up in Parliament and he asked Scott Morrison a dishonest question 
about why the Australia, he had allowed the Australia Post board to approve the purchase of watches, and this is a quote from Albo, in the middle of the worst recession in almost a century. Right? Well, no, it wasn't. It was two years earlier. And if he didn't know that, sack him. Don't ask questions about things you don't know. Right? If Kimberly Kitchen didn't know that, sack her. This is crazy. This was a... Anyway, it was in response to that question that Scott Morrison went off his nut and gave one of the most over-the-top fake outrage performances you've ever seen in Parliament, and people are scratching their head. At that time, they thought it was $12,000 worth of watches, not $20,000. They're scratching their head thinking, what the hell is this about? But bang, he demanded she be stood aside, the board stander aside, etc., um, pending an investigation. Well, that investigation is now complete. So when we come back, we'll give you the details of it. Welcome back to the Citizens Report. We were discussing don't let Morrison bury the report that exonerates Christine Holgate. So, as we were talking about before the break, Christine, Scott Morrison demanded Christine Holgate be stood aside pending an investigation. Incidentally, in the next two weeks, there was such an enormous flurry of vitriol through the media directed at Christine Holgate for like being this Marie Antoinette who splurged taxpayers' money on Cartier watches in a, in a, uh, in a, in a depression that... I mean, there was cartoons depicting her as a prostitute and all kinds of things. It became too much for her and she offered her resignation, right? However, that wasn't formalised and that's going to be a key point going forward. Anyway, here's what the reports found though. So this Robert Gottliebson, who is one of Australia's most experienced business writers, reported this in The Australian on the 30th of December. I'll read you two quotes from Robert Gottliebson. Quote, Maddox found that Holgate was operating under correct Australia Post board procedures and that the Prime Minister had been badly misled, one quote. And he has actually therefore let misled the parliament, Robbie, which is a major issue here. This is not some small thing. Well, exactly. Both of them. Both of them. Right? I mean, Elbow this... and, and, and Scomo. Exactly. Should we, keep them, should we keep giving them these nicknames? But they kind of earn them, the, the, the dumb nicknames. <laughs> All right, second quote. This was the details of what um, he was referring to when he said Australia Post board procedures. Quote, Holgate had the authority to make bonuses of up to $150,000 without board approval. That's per person. She told the board she was planning a bonus for the executives but did not state the amount. In the end, she chose $20,000 but delivered the bonuses in the form of four $5,000 Cartier watches. According to Maddox, the former chairman attended a presentation ceremony the presentation ceremony, Maddox details all the events and completely exonerated Holgate. In other words, Craig, the way you can think about it is Christine Holgate didn't cost Australia Post $20,000. She saved Australia Post potentially $580,000 if she had awarded them the maximum bonus, right, which would have added up to $600,000. And did these executives deserve the maximum bonus? Well, if that's in Australia Post rules, and this is not about how much Australia Post executives get paid, you may hate that. Right? It is way too much in my view. But Christine Holgate has nothing to do with that. She didn't make these rules. The Labor and Liberal parties made these rules 30 years ago. Mm. Right? This has nothing to do with her. She's, she, she has, she, her total compensation from Australia Post was 14% of her fat cat banker predecessor. This woman took a huge, took, took a huge pay cut down from his pay. 
Yes, they're well paid, but that's not the issue. And do not overreact to that and be blind to what's actually going on here. Um, this was some, she was always very sensible with money. But did these executives deserve a maximum bonus? They had just done a deal where they had engaged in intense negotiation with the banks because she knew that Australia Post could survive if the banks paid properly to cover the costs of post offices, the 3,000 small business families who run licensed post offices in Australia, providing banking services to the bank's own clients who the banks abandoned by shutting down branches all over Australia. And they shut down branches knowing that the Australia Post um, offices would provide the services. In other words, the banks were sponging off the taxpayer by making their customers go to Australia Post to bank. And they weren't poning up money to cover it. And Christine Holgate said no more. And the four executives went into the lion's den, Daniel in the lion's den, these four friends in Babylon, right? And they stared these banks down. They said, you're going to pay. And they were offered $5 million. And Christine Holgate said, no, that's not enough. Go back. You need more. And they got a deal of $220 million from the most intense negotiations with the, with the most powerful business lobby in Australia. And it saved Australia Post and it saved the licensed post offices. They deserved the maximum bonus. And instead, she gave them a $5,000 watch. And for that, she was crucified by totally corrupt major political parties in Canberra, right? So I'm going to play a quick clip now because not enough people are taking this on because, like I said, it's not about Christine. It's about Australia Post. And the one politician beside the Citizens Party and Barnaby Joyce, I should mention, in dispatches, who has said something is Bob Catter. This is a press conference he gave on the 17th of uh, December where he demanded the report be released and she be reinstated. We are urging the government, we're putting a resolution in the parliament, um, but we urge the government before Christmas to restore Christine Holgate. Um, Christine took over Australia Post when it was running at a loss. It was then running at a profit under her, quite substantial profit. There's uh, maybe four or five thousand jobs in Australia depend upon Australia Post. It is a coherent parcels distribution system for our nation and it is only one of three assets that this nation still owns. We own the Snowy and that was a hair's breadth decision. We still own, uh, we own the NBN. God bless the most curse Kevin Rudd uh, for the NBN. And, um, and the third one is Australia Post. Now, uh, it's Christmas and I don't want to be negative, but you have got to ask the question that when they do agency for banks, are in a very powerful position with respect to the banks, and when the bank's PR machine is the ex-Labor leader in Queensland, and a boy represents the banks now, and when it's the ALP that asks this ridiculous question, I mean, I don't know, four senior, hard-working Australian Post employees Gotta go and watch. Oh, jeez, what a crime! I mean, any good employer provides encouragement, and if you want to call them gifts or whatever, to uh, senior employees who have done a bloody good job. So we think it would be a lovely Christmas present if every Australia Post operation in Australia relaxed, because they see sinister motives, namely the sale one of our last three assets that our nation owns, um, and they see their businesses and their jobs in jeopardy. So it'd be a nice Christmas present 
If all of them felt secure, and Christine has been done a terrible injustice, is restored to her position. Uh, so we asked the government to reconsider their position. After all, it was the Labor Party, and after all, it is an employee who represents the banks. And uh, I'm not putting a sinister motive on this, but maybe some people will ask questions. So Bob Catter called for that. He's shown leadership on this. What we have to do is get behind the campaign to save Australia Post and turn it... And the, the ultimate win-win solution, Craig, for Australia Post is to consolidate what Christine Holgate knew its future would be, could be, is as a provider of financial services by making it an Australia Post bank. Right? That's the solution here. So we have a campaign for three R's. We need you to get behind this campaign and get onto your Member of Parliament and demand the three R's. The first R is release the report. We cannot let Scott Morrison bury this. That would be, this is totally corrupt. Release the report. Second R, replace the board of Australia Post. They are Liberal Party appointed hacks and don't replace them with Labor Party appointed hacks, right? Replace them with decent people who will do the job to make sure Australia Post provides the services it should. And the third, uh, the most important, is reinstate Christine Holgate. She did nothing wrong. In fact, she did everything right. right. And under her visionary leadership, Australia Post not only can become a proper postal carrier, it can become a, 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 an Australia Post bank. Right? This is the future for Australia Post. So um, get onto our website. We'll put up the link where you can, we've provided details. There's three members of parliament. We need you to hit Scott Morrison, the Prime Minister, the new finance minister, uh, Paul Simon Birmingham, and the current communications minister, uh, uh, Paul Fletcher, who are the people who are the, mo the, 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 the most important decision makers in this area. Um, so, yeah, any other comments, Craig, before we go to Yeah, break? Robbie, look, as you were talking, the image of cockroaches comes out again. Right. <laughs> what our supporters have to do is they have to get this image in them. Shine a light on the cockroaches. Yep. If you don't shine that light, right, we lose Australia Post. Now, yep. can we do that? Absolutely. We've shown it with a cash ban. We've shown it. And, you know, let those cockroaches carry under the, scurry under the fridge again. You know, but that's what we can do. And then they might, you might get a, a mere culpa from Scott Morrison when he realises, oh, I've been misled. May, you know, if I don't he's believe genuine, case, come out and say it. Yep. He might say it. You don't know. But if, you don't know what's possible unless people act. If you don't act, you'll lose Australia Post. We'll all lose Australia Post as a potential postal bank and will also lose the potential for a national bank. Now, we don't believe that's the case. We believe that people can mobilise and will mobilise to yeah. this. So follow the instructions on our website and, and take some action here. Yeah. All right. When we come back, we'll talk about the uh, rather dramatic events in Washington. Welcome back to the Citizens Report. Finally, Washington riot. Economic breakdown drives political chaos. So, Craig, um, this is a very shocking event this week, the storming of the US Capitol. Um, mm. Now, I don't, want to, <laughs> I don't want to make too much of this, but I must say one of the reasons it was shocking is we're far more used to seeing that sort of thing happen overseas, orchestrated by Washington and London, mm -hmm. right? But this time it happened in Washington. Um, but there shouldn't be any schadenfreude about it because it's actually, it's a, you know, it's, it's a very um, dangerous development, right? Many Americans, and, and I, I, I've been able to talk to a whole bunch of them, are very shocked 
that it has come to this. Now, there's a couple of things that we don't want to dwell on here. We, there's lots of explanations on YouTube. I want to, just want to mention them briefly. There's, there's, a, there's a few um, parallel agendas, though, that have to be noted. There is an agenda now to capitalise on the event by the incoming Democratic administration um, because they want to ram through their pre-existing intention to, for further crackdowns on civil liberties. In other words, they, they would like to use this event to do the civil liberties in a domestic area what Bush and Cheney did you know, um, after 9-11. Same kind of thing, right? Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, a lot of the Americans that stormed the Capitol this time didn't mind Bush and Cheney doing it because they thought that was directed against Muslims. At the time, we tried to warn them, no, no, the legislation doesn't mention Muslims. They're cracking down everyone's civil liberties. And now this is another round of it. And then, of course, you've got the big tech companies. Um, we're hosted on YouTube, so we will not say a bad word against Google. <laughs> no, no, stuff Google. Um, we'll, we'll enjoy this while it lasts. But, you know, they're, they're throwing their weight around, etc. Um, and that is... Now, the, worst, the single worst part about all that side of the agenda is those people would say through rhetoric that what they're trying to do is um, combat extremism and violence, except the actions are taking so heavy-handed and so falsely charged that they're going to inflame tensions and violence. And they know that. They actually know that. And therefore, you have to assume it's intentional. The other parallel I wanted to mention is there's a likely a third force element to the picture here. Now, we've been talking about this in our publication. I'll just give a shout-out for the Citizens Party's weekly Australian Alert Service. If you, haven't, if you haven't yet received a free copy, call in and, and you can be sent one, where we, where we do deep analysis on these things. Um, there's been a, a concerted effort over quite a long time to stir America up, big concerns about a civil war, and there's this phenomenon called accelerationism, where people on both sides they are deliberately deployed to take a protest and make it violent. They want to, they want to cause a societal political breakdown that does end up in a civil war because, you know, for whatever reason, they want to accelerate the inevitable clash. That's why it's called accelerationism, right? And there is, you know, there, there does appear to be that element involved in this particular thing, right? Because most of it's not about that. Most, most, most of what happened is not really representative of all Trump supporters by any means. Um, but that's not what we want to really talk about. What we want to talk about is the how does it come to this? How do you get this kind of absolute chaos? And this goes to what we've all long talked about, that we are many, many years now into an economic breakdown crisis. This is not new. The reason you held up those things from 25 years ago, our publications from 25 years ago, it had started well and truly then. Well, that's why we right? started the party, Robbie, in 1988, is because of the impacts of globalisation, the, the foreign currency trading that was wrecking, uh, wrecking uh, you know, farmers, the, the Black Saturday, the Black, you know, Black Friday stock market crash of 1988. I mean, I could go on and on as to when this started. And you go back into the 70s, you know, the takedown of the, um, sure. the, the, the currency system and, and all that. Yep. system so forth. I mean, this is, this is generational now. There's been whole generations born that haven't understood where this started. And it, this is where we're coming to the you know, a situation where you know, Trump did get 75 million votes, right? Why did he get those votes? It's because he tried to offer, or he was offering, some degree of hope for the future. It's so but, changing. But that this would be addressed. That this would right? be addressed, but it hasn't been. He didn't drain the swamp. Yep. Didn't take on Wall Street. Didn't take on the major banks. Didn't enact Glass-Steagall, right? He did some other things, but he did the, the major uh, levers of power he did not touch. 
Actually, what I, I, Craig, you mentioned the 75 million votes he did get. There was a record number of votes he didn't get. The record numbers of votes, the polarisation is all part of this, right? They're, where people are so fed up, but what are they fed up at? at? They, they, that gets diverted into dramatic stuff, but fundamentally it's the, it's the economic breakdown crisis that's driving it. And that's why we were talk, we, we've gone back to in the decades because we saw all those things were undermining the way the economy should function. Now, I want to say goodbye now to Channel 31 viewers. Tune in next week for more, but we're going to continue this discussion on YouTube for the people who are watching on YouTube. Um, Craig, the, you know, this does have to be addressed. Now, I want to, in the Western world, this is the most um, exaggerated, right? Because in, like in Africa, they've always, they haven't had an economy to break down and it's, you know, it's, it's in a, uh, you know, they, they need economic development. Um, America is demonising China and trying to make out China become some kind of a threat, fundamentally because China spent the last 40 years concentrating on going in the opposite direction. Let's actually have a functioning economy, and they've achieved it. Right? You don't have to have this breakdown, but, you, but if you're going to stick to these Montpellier society neoliberal policies, um, that's what's going to happen. And unless um, the, the Western world get its, gets its act together... It's not China or Russia that's undermining America and causing them to implode this way. This is an implosion that they've white-handed themselves through their economic policies. Unless they address that, this is going to get worse and worse and worse. Now, as an example, um, I'm going to show... There's a friend of mine who's a US historian named Anton Chaikin has uh, written a book that you can buy on Amazon. It's called Who We Are. Now, he goes through um, the history of the United States, the real history of the United States and the good parts, how the people who, who were the, the main movers behind the Declaration of Independence and then the, then the Constitution and then the American economic policies that became known as the American system in the 19th century, they saw that to, the way to have an econ a society is you've got to have an economy, hmm. right? And what you do, and, and the best example of this as an idea was when when they finished the meeting to write the American Constitution in, um, uh, uh, in, the, in the late 1700s, Ben Franklin, who was the leader of these American nationalists, he walked out of the movement and a woman asked him, what do we have, Mr Franklin? And he replied, a republic, madam, if we can keep it. In other words, the political system cannot survive the, the society of the day and the society of the day needs an economy. And it was, it was Franklin's collaborators that Tony Chaikin draws out in this book. It's a really excellent book and I urge people to buy it and read it. Um, it was his collaborators that made sure America developed institutions that could provide economic development. And the most important of those was the National Bank, Alexander Hamilton's National Bank, right? So what are, what's the possibility that this could be addressed now? Well, we don't know what's going to happen, but we do know there are some um, glimmers of hope, right? And we've been highlighting this before the break, but right now in the... Um, uh, in the US Congress, there are three pieces of legislation. There is the Public Bank Act to encourage the use of public banks in the United States because what public banks do is invest in the real economy. The private banks don't. They're either, they are only just interested in mortgages or speculation, right? You need banks to invest. In, you, if you invest in the real economy, it will boom, right? It will bloom. So there's a, there's a bill called the Public Bank Act. There's a bill called the Postal Bank Act. Bernie Sanders, Bernie Sanders and, and uh, Christian Gillibrand have developed a bill to do in America what we want to do to Australia Post here. 
turn it into a postal bank, right? So it's a, it's a really good bill. And then the big one is called the National Infrastructure Bank Act. And this is for, this is for America to invest $4 trillion minimum on rebuilding and building new infrastructure. It's desperately what it needs. If Trump had have done that in the last four years, history would have been different. He didn't get to do that. Right? He had talked about doing it, he didn't get to do that. If Biden can do it, right, start to turn it around, that's good for America and it's good for the world. Hmm. I think that's, that's, my, that's the perspective that I and we want to give as Australians here. I think already, look, we've been talking about the power in society. You've mentioned British liberalism. Well, British liberalism and is, is completely opposite and opposed to the American system of political economy, sure. which Tony goes through in his book. It's what we represent as a political party. We represent, in Australia, the Australian form of the American system of political economy. And it's not that foreign to Australians anyway, because you go back to King O'Malley, who founded the Commonwealth Bank. He, he said, I am the Alexander Hamilton of Australia. And, and Alexander Hamilton, of course, was the founder of the National Bank yep. in America. So that uh, uh, quality of leadership by King O'Malley, right back at the beginning of our nation, you know, when we became a federation, has provided the leadership. And then you see the same principles enacted during the Second World War by Kurt and Chifley and others yep. in order to employ the physical economy or the principles of American system to produce and expand the physical economy to prosecute the war. Now, Australia has a rich history of this. We've published it in many different places. But this is the ultimate fight. On the one hand, yep. you've got Morrison trying to steal another asset in terms of the post, the, uh, the post offices in the Australia Post. But the solution to that is not steal the asset, enhance it. Yep. Turn it into a postal bank. Give it, give us... Let, give the, Australian people, exactly, let the Australian people invest, put their money in a public postal bank, which will be guaranteed, can't be bailed in, can support the cash payment system so you, we, the, 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 there won't be any... Um, need to, to uh, eradicate cash because that's an important part of the system. It can do all those things and invest, take the surplus deposits and invest them in economic development. That benefits everybody. Who controls the credit of the nation is the issue. Yep. You know, Ben Chifley wanted to nationalise the banks and says the, result, the, the, the important part of banking is that the government should control the credit of the nation. That didn't happen. We've got a, we've got a private banking system that totally controls the credit of the nation at the moment. And look what's happening to our economy. It's disintegrating. The difference is this fundamental philosophical uh, battle between the idea of supporting a population, the general welfare of a population through the American system of political economy, or do you treat people like effectively economic slaves, which is this yeah. British ideology. Dead slaves. Hmm. All right, well, Craig, we could probably talk about this all day, but we won't. Um, thanks for joining us. Sorry, went over time to the, for the YouTube viewers, but... Um, uh, yeah, this is, this is actually quite an important subject. There's a lot of uncertainty, especially in the United States. We don't know what will happen, but, but we do know there, are the, there is a potential there that we should get behind there, and we should get behind it here, right? And things we can, any success in, we have in Australia in this regard will be heard around the world and help influence world events as well for the good, and that's what we've got to do. Because if we don't do that, um, we might wake, ourselves and wake up one day and find ourselves on the verge of war, which would be the worst possible outcome. Um, thanks for tuning in, viewers. Tune in next week for more of the Citizens Report.